Welcome to the Be a Disciple podcast with your host, Tom Morris and Dakota Smith. This is episode number 74 as we continue our study in the book of Acts. It is the holiday season. Merry Christmas, everybody. Dakota, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, this past Sunday was amazing at church, was it not? It was a great Sunday. It was, uh, first of all, you walk in and everything is decorated, ready for Christmas. Christmas lights are in the in the sanctuary, in the foyer. And then we also had a breakfast that was just full of people. And, um, you know, I mean, just seeing God's people gather and be hungry for the Word, that was really encouraging. Uh, even right now, my Christmas lights are up. There's a tree in our house. The presents are slowly starting to build up under the tree. Uh, my kids are playing that game where they're like, Dad, we got you this, and but we're not allowed to tell you, you know? <laughs> um, uh, that's funny. But we're, we're having a great time. This is my favorite time of the year. Yeah. I, I asked uh, Conrad, my son, my oldest son, what do you want to get mom for Christmas? And he keeps saying, an octopus. And I don't really know, like, and this isn't just a one-time response. I've asked him week after week. What would you like to get your mom for Christmas? An octopus. So I went on Amazon and ordered an octopus stuffed animal <laughs> just to put in a bag so he could give it to uh, to his mom. So it was just one of those things where, like, he hasn't quite understood. Like, yeah. He knows, like, we're giving gifts, but doesn't understand, like, the why right. or anything like that. So it's just funny to see him uh, see the, the holidays and what's happening. We were at Walmart yesterday. And some guy came up to him and was like, are you ready for Santa Claus? And he kind of looked at them like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. like he's two. <laughs> he, like, even if we taught him Santa Claus, which we don't really do that, he would, you know, he's two. He has no idea. So it was, he kind of looked at the guy like, what are you, what are you doing? So it's just kind of fun to see him taking in the holidays from a different lens now. He can actually take stuff in, think about it, and then talk to you. So that's been a lot of fun. Christmas is my favorite time of just family and gathering and, and really the what the season is all about, which is the Messiah, the coming, the promise, uh, and then the promise for the future and, and his second return. So it's just been it's been a good holiday season, and I'm going home to Arizona. So it'll be fun to see family, some family I haven't even met yet, a uh, cousin who's had a baby, uh, things like that. So it'll be a good time. I think what makes the season so amazing uh, is first and foremost, Jesus, right? And I guess anyone who's a listener, I just want to say this to you. You may be listening and you're like, man, Christmas is not the season that excites me for various reasons. And there are multiple things that could cause Christmas to be a downer for you, a depressing time for you. Maybe it brings you back to some things that you've lived through. But I want to remind you that Christmas can be joyful for each one of us because of who Jesus is. Uh, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the, uh, the birth of our Savior, uh, the fact that He came to this world so that He would be able to be our perfect sin bearer, Right? The only person who can forgive sins is God. The only person who can stand in the gap for other humans is a human. So we need the perfect God-man to come to earth to be able to pay for our sins. And that's why we worship. That's why we can maintain our joy. So I just want to speak to you if Christmas, the Christmas season is hard and difficult for you. I want to focus, or I want to remind you to focus your eyes and your heart upon Jesus first and foremost. Amen? Amen. Hey, if anybody in Franklin County 
is listening into this podcast before Christmas. We do have our Christmas Eve services, our candlelight services uh, at 5 p.m. and 6.30 p.m. We would love to just invite you out to uh, sing songs with us, to be with us uh, this uh, Christmas time. And so please come on out, check us out, ottawabiblechurch.com, and we would really just uh, love to engage with you if you're listening in the area. Amen. So Kyle, why don't you pray for us? And we're going to dive into Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 32 today. Last episode, we dealt with Ananias and Sapphira and their death, right? We're going to continue, I guess you could say, with the fear that people have for the New Testament church. Yeah. Father, I thank you for this wonderful day and this opportunity, uh, this technology to get the word out. Uh, We just love uh, to take advantage of as many opportunities to share the word. So we pray for each person listening, no matter their circumstance, that they would first focus on you, Lord, that they would put their faith in you and that they would live for you above all things. Um, And then that we would take the word and we would deliver it to people. We would sit down with people. We would engage them in conversation. And that's what this podcast is all about. So I pray for everybody as we take this mission, the Great Commission, to go out and teach and to disciple and to evangelize the world, and that we would honor Christ and we would glorify Him in the things that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Acts chapter 5, verse 12, all the way to 16 for now, says this, At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. But none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. Also, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits and they were all being healed. So, Pastor Kyle, verses 12 through 16, we see, I think, the continued establishment by the Holy Spirit's power of the New Testament church. But there are some phrases and little golden nuggets in this passage that one might wonder, is this the way the church should be living today? Should things like this be happening? Is something wrong? You know, let's talk about that conversation for a brief moment. Yeah, I think it is probably a big question most either new believers have or people who are just exploring mm-hmm. the, the text and and don't quite believe yet is, well, what about these miracles that happen during the time, even after Jesus, right? Jesus has died. He's been resurrected. This is the church age. We live in the church age. Uh, do these things happen today? I mean, I think one thing- Or we, should they? Or should they happen right? today? Are we in sin if we're not doing stuff like this? Yeah. So one thing is we who- we know that God is healing. God's the one. No no individual is is in power. But we are talking about the apostles here, not just little A apostles, but big A apostles, the ones Jesus handpicked to launch this ministry. So I think there's some things that go along with the time of the apostles that may that aren't being seen today, but I do see I do know that God isn't limited today in any of these things at all either. And so we have to be aware that God is the same God in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament as he is today. So God doesn't change 
He does, he may do he's things. Immutable. He's immutable. He does have covenants and promises in which he will fulfill or already has fulfilled, but he doesn't ever change. And so, if he is a God who heals, he'll always be a God who heals. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he is a God who casts out demons, he's always going to be a God that casts out demons. So I think time is also part of the factor. These are the big A apostles. I'm not a big A apostle, um, but I do have the Holy Spirit. I do think God can use me to do miracles, but it's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so, it's not by your manipulation. It's, right. It's not something that, that... But we do know that the apostles had experienced this prior to Jesus' death. Mm-hmm. They went out and healed in the name of Jesus. They did. Um, while Jesus was alive. They cast out demons while Jesus was alive, or, or at least they were the tool in which God used to do those things. Um, but it was still the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so we have to see that, like, to to magnify Peter to a place of, well, he's not God, but he seems to be a, a really important guy. So maybe we should, maybe we should be worshiping Peter, or maybe we should put Peter on a pedestal. Um, let me think. Oh wait, we there is a church that does that. Mm-hmm. It's the Catholic Church that puts apostles, saints on pedestals that they even pray to, um, to say that these people are somehow more powerful or 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 more special than each one of us, or or even closer to God than we are. Now, did they did they get to do things that they were closer to God? They got to walk with Jesus. They got to start the church. Of course, they get to experience things that we're not going to experience today. But they're still men. They're still picked by God to do this ministry, and they're empowered by God to do this ministry. So it's all for God's glory, not their own. So I think when we work through some of that, we have to recognize who's the one doing the work? God. Who's the one getting the glory? God. If God's not getting the glory, God's not doing the work, then it's not from God, mm-hmm. and it's it, it, and then we should probably not attribute it to God if it's happening some other way. Yeah, just I I think maybe a little more succinctly that I could just say in a very shortened way, three reasons why miracles were taking place at a more pronounced level here in this passage. Uh, Number one, that as you said, there were New Testament apostles. So just for our listeners, if you don't know what an apostle is, the 12 apostles were essentially the 12 disciples. Judas was a disciple, so he hanged himself after betraying Jesus, and then Paul took his place as the twelfth apostle. So the word disciple is the word methetes, which just means student, but the apostle, the word apostle means sent one. So the disciples and the original twelve disciples and the twelve apostles are the same people, but they're known as disciples really prior to Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. They're known as apostles after Jesus sends them out into the world with his great commission after he's ascended to heaven, right? So that's the first thing to start with. And we know that Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles. So I think something that you have to consider in this context is, number one, there are apostles of a New Testament church developing for the first time ever, and that's why these things are happening. But I also think that there's another component component to it, which would essentially look at it from this angle. Whenever the gospel is reaching new places and whenever the gospel is advancing, you also tend to see, as we've heard from missionaries before, you know, miraculous things that are taking place. So, some would take the view 
that signs and miracles um, are still possible today. And in fact, you know, if a believer's walking close enough with God, then maybe their shadow could fall upon a sick person and a sick person be healed. I would say that's one far end of the of the spectrum, right? All of this should be happening today, but we're messed up because we're not close enough with God. I think the other spectrum says, no, all of these sign gifts have completely ceased. The New Testament canon has been compiled, completed, formulated. We already have the scripture, so we don't need the sign gifts anymore. And I would not go that far. But I would take more of a mediating position, which would say, I think the sign gifts in particular, sign gifts being different from more general spiritual gifts in the body, like service and administration and mercy. But I think speaking in tongues and direct forms of healing, I think this takes place especially when the gospel is advancing in new places that it hasn't been in a while, or it's really reaching there for the first time. And and honestly, at the end of the day, what do we see all throughout the Bible? Miracles happen when Scripture is being written. Have you ever thought of it like that? Like, if Scripture is being written, how does God validate and affirm that it's Him speaking, that it's His Word? He gives miracles. So it's not that Scripture is continuing to be written today, so there is a component to that. So I I would probably lean a little bit closer to the side, which says that the sign gifts have ceased, but I'm not going to go and completely say that because I, I think that'd be too far. I'm just merely thinking that today, these things happen if there's a context for them. And obviously, God, through His Spirit, can do whatever He wants. And we do know that in the end times, in Revelation, that there will be more signs and wonders taking place. And unfortunately, signs and wonders will even be performed by the evil one, the Antichrist himself. So, you've got to really be honed in on the scriptures the scriptures with this kind of conversation. Yeah, I just think it's important that we that these sort of things, we we trust in God. I know one the most I think one we pray for the most is healing. If somebody who's sick, right? Yeah. Of course. And and there's actually As we should. there's instruction in the Bible about elders going and, and James. putting hands on yep. uh people who are sick in the church. And it's actually even the responsibility for that person to come to the elders and say, Hey, I need you guys to come pray for me. And so we know that healing can be done. We believe that it can be done. We know. So will it happen every single time? No, but we don't also know what God has planned for that person in that circumstance. Somebody not being healed can still proclaim the gospel and there still be a testimony where people come to know Jesus. And in healing, it can happen as well. So we can't say because they weren't healed, you know, this wasn't happening. We can't do that. I just think we need to trust in God and his plan. He's in control. If he heals, amazing. Praise God. If he doesn't heal, praise God, because the gospel is the the thing we should be focused on the most, not necessarily if God's going to heal or not, or if God's going to perform this or not. It should be completing the task that he's given us, obedience to him. I think aside from this topic on miracles, it's also interesting just to see the fear that the people had, the respect yeah. that the people had for the apostles. And, you know, back in this day when the church was first beginning, there people were afraid of the church. People naturally would have been afraid of the church. I think by now the church is kind of mocked and made fun of, which, well, I guess we'll see that in a minute here. But I think there was a higher reverence for the people of the church and what the Holy Spirit was doing. And, you know, I I think that's part of our eschatology is in the end days, 
God is going to rapture up his church and he's going to bring judgment on the world for not hearing their message and not re- not repenting, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think there's still some truth to that. But nevertheless, it's interesting how highly they held these disciples because or apostles because they knew Jesus so intimately and they were actually fulfilling the call that he gave to them for their lives. Yeah, and unfortunately in church history, we <laughs> we see men taking advantage of Absolutely. this power. Yep. Um, and that's really hurt lots and lots of people. I probably, I can't even count that high. <laughs> Just so many people have been hurt throughout history from the church abusing power. And I'm not just talking about certain denominations. It happens across the board. Everywhere. Everywhere. And so uh, we really have to be careful because people will either falsely proclaim things, um, say they have new revelations, or to the point where you got to pay for your salvation or pay for forgiveness, all kinds of just up all over the spectrum of things that have been, we've just been abusing people. Non-biblical. And so, yeah, non-biblical things. So we need to be very, very careful today that as the church, that our mission is lived out according to God's word, and that is that people would hear the gospel and we are justified by faith alone in Christ alone. That's what the Bible says. So beyond that, we need to be very careful on how, as pastors— we use our authority mm-hmm. in the sense of the position we've been given because for some people they may not i you know i don't see myself as like this high authority i just am being used by god to go spread the gospel and to teach people and equip people i don't view myself that way but other people from other backgrounds view a position as a pastor a priest as a real high authority to the point where whatever you say is golden and it is what it is, and I'm going to take it whether it's biblical or not. Yeah. And that is very dangerous. That's wrong. I do not ever want anybody to just make, well, Kyle said it, so it must be true. No, please don't do that. Yeah. Please read your Bibles. And if I need to be challenged, challenge me. Yeah. I, I don't want anyone to ever think that I said it, so it must be true type of thing about me. I hope I'm known as somebody who only says true things. Yeah. That's what I hope my reputation is. But I had, I don't think that that well, is the right place to be in. I think it's it's right, and maybe this is a good concluding point, just to say that there are some pastors who believe that everything that they say should be carried out and followed through with, and that they're the Moses who goes to Mount Sinai and hears from the Lord and comes down, and what he says goes. I think that's actually an abuse of power. Yeah. I think a real leader is respected because... What he continues to put forth is what God's Word says on a particular issue, right? There's a difference. There's a difference between saying, I'm the only one that has the capability to go into God's presence, Mm. versus saying, look, the Lord has anointed me for this position, and you as a church have also trusted me and anointed me in this position because of my holding to the Scriptures. And there's a massive difference between the two of really... Why you should be respected? Should you be respected because you are authoritative, or should you be respected because you hold and carry out the authority of God's word? Two different scenarios there, right? And we also, you know, we use the term being called to ministry, right? I didn't call myself to ministry. Mm-hmm. God called me to ministry, right? I tell people all the time, I didn't. I didn't pick this. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't pick it. If I would have picked something, I would not be here, right? If I did something in my own accord, under my own control, under what I want for myself in a worldly fashion, I would not be here right now. Mm -hmm. I'm called by God, and all the glory should go to God, because I can't make this up. I can't make up my life story and how I got where I am. I never even planned it this way in my mind. 
it's a calling that all of us need to, whatever that is in your life as a follower of Christ, maybe it is to be a pastor, maybe it is a call to ministry, maybe it's a call to something else, missions or whatever that may be. All of this should go back to God. It should all glorify God, not ourselves. So I just think we should be very careful to use our calling to then assert power over people when it's the authority of God that we should be looking. Yeah, are you being are you being faithful with your calling and faithful with the authority that comes with your calling from God's word? Right. There's just a total difference. Are you being a good steward of God's word? Yeah. If you're not a steward of God's word and you're just going your own direction, now that's just you know spiritual abuse, and that's right. that's not okay. So. And we have things in Scripture that tell us, as teachers of the word, how important that is. Mm-hmm. Right. We may receive double honor. But what is the consequence of false teaching? Mm-hmm. Of teaching something that isn't true. Yep. Not like, many of you should wish to be to come teachers, my brethren. James right. Says. And so some of these some of these things in Scripture are actually like, man, I I feel a lot of responsibility, and sometimes it's weighty. That is to the point where it's like, I don't know. I really want to teach this well. I really want to prepare the sermon in a way that glorifies God. I I, I want to do it well and in, with excellence because of the responsibility because I know where it comes from, not to Create write a sermon that creates some sort of agenda that I want to push, mm-hmm. or I want to do some sort of topic that I just want people to hear because I know a lot about it. So we, we have to be careful, and I think the apostles here in this passage, signs and wonders, we know Peter from the past. Peter was a pretty hot-headed guy, and he's over here doing all this stuff through God. What could have Peter kind of crept back into? Mm-hmm. His old ways. And he could have been the guy that went, look at me, I'm Peter. I did all these wonders. I did all these things. He could start bragging. But we're going to read in a little bit. That's not what Peter does. Yeah. We're going to see a different response from Peter about who's doing these things and why they're doing them. Yeah. Well, and that's what's coming up here. Look at verses 17 all the way to 32. And I suppose, although this is a larger section of Scripture, it's probably good just for us to discuss this at large. Uh, and just stay in the narrative, the flow of the narrative. So verses 17 to 32 says this, But the high priest rose up, along with all his associates, that is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. They laid hands on the apostles and put them in public jail. Uh, You and I were talking before the episode here. I never noticed that this scene was about the apostles. If you go back to chapter 4, it's just Peter and John. These are all the apostles being thrown into prison by the same sect of leaders. Nevertheless, it says they laid hands on the apostles and put them in a public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and taking them out, he said, Go, stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. (laughs) Go proclaim the gospel. Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest and his associates came, you can just imagine their face, they called the council together, even all the senate of the sons of Israel, and sent orders to the prisoner at the prison house for them to be brought. But the officers who came did not find them in the prison, and they returned and reported back, saying, We found the prison house locked quite securely, and the guards standing at the doors. But when we had opened up, we found no one inside. I suppose we can just kind of take a brief pause right there. So all the apostles, it's ironic and even contrasting that the people have a high regard and fear for them, but the Jewish sect of leaders who don't believe in Jesus who are willing to throw these men into prison, having no respect for them. 
So I think you start to see a contrast of opposition here, obviously. Um, And then it's just interesting that they are being locked up for the gospel, and yet they're prepared to go and preach the gospel yet again as soon as they get out. They're not going anywhere. We're going to keep preaching. (laughs) Yeah. So let's ask this question, because we've we've talked about signs and wonders then and now, and kind of along that spectrum. Okay, we see the apostles in prison here, Mm -hmm. and God sends an angel to get them out of prison, because they're preaching the gospel, and he wants them to keep preaching the gospel. Mm Mm-hmm. We've got Christians today sitting in prison for preaching the gospel mm-hmm. all around the world. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't God send an angel and release them from prison for doing the same thing? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that I would say is it's possible that maybe God has them in prison because that is to become their audience. There's nobody else who's going to listen, and therefore God wants them to preach to the prisoners and the prison guards and things of that nature. I have heard of stories of people miraculously just getting out of prison as missionaries and things like that. But I think it's just really important to remember the original components that we thought about. These were apostles. The scripture's being developed. It's new missionary ground, right? The gospel's advancing in new places. And those are the things that we have to characterize so that we don't immediately apply them as a prescription for current day. Yeah, I read a book recently on Adoniram Judson, one of our pioneer missionaries from America, and he was put into a death camp Mm. um, at one time uh, while he was uh, in in Burma, or modern-day Burma. Um, And so he spent many, many months there, (laughs) Uh, almost, I think, almost two years in a death camp, should have died. That's the point of the camp, right? Yep. But this is what happened. His wife at the time would come and visit, and she brought him a pillowcase with with sewed into the pillowcase or written, however they did it, the scripture. Mm. And he was able to use the scripture in the death camp to witness to the others that were in the death camp. So we see wow. no matter the, his circumstance, and I'm not saying he didn't struggle because he struggled. Even when he got out, he struggled because his wife ends up dying, his kid ends up dying, and then he go, kind of goes, secludes himself in the jungle for a little bit yeah. and really has a hard time with God. But recognizing that even in the hardest moment, he still shared the gospel. I think we see that with Paul in the scriptures. We see that with the apostles. It didn't matter where they stood, whether that was prison and in the face of death, they shared the gospel. So yes, in this instance, an angel does save them. But we also know because we've read the Bible, they all get killed. Yeah. Besides John. <laughs> for, and they tried to kill him. They tried to kill him, yeah. And, or send him off or whatever. Um, they all die. So to say, well, why did they get rescued and, and the ones today don't? Well, they end up facing death. Um, so we know that whatever this was in this circumstance, God saved them because of what you said. Scripture was being written. It was new ground and so on and so forth. Eventually, enough people become Christians, more missionaries are developed, more people are going out into the world, and the apostles eventually die, and then the word continues. So we can see that bad things do happen to the apostles. They will, as we read Acts. So it's not like they're going to be specially saved their whole life by God, Mm -hmm. uh, but it was for the advancement of the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I think from here on, the passage continues, verses 24 to 32, and we close it up with this. Now, when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed. Uh, If you go back to chapter 4, verse 2, it says they were greatly disturbed. But, you know, very similar situation coming about here. It says they were greatly perplexed about them as to what would come of this. But someone came and reported to them, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence, for they were afraid of the people that they might be stoned. (laughs) When they had brought them, they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them. It's interesting, by the way, they know the true high priest. The true high priest is Jesus, but this guy is like now, at this point, a disqualified fake high priest. Isn't that ironic? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We know the real high priest, but sure. (laughs) It goes on to say, uh, lost my place. Where's the high priest? What verse am I at? 27, 28. 27, 28. When they had brought them, they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. They don't want to say Jesus' name. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. Like in chapter 4, you know, whether it's right for us to speak in this name or not, you know, you be the judge. But we can't stop speaking what we've seen and heard. <laughs> Verse 30, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, and Peter says his name, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. How do we close out this passage? I actually find it interesting that Peter witnesses to the ones who have arrested him. Yeah. He doesn't say they're disqualified from knowing Jesus. That's right. You know, he says... The Holy Spirit's given to those who obey him. God exalted him at his right hand, Jesus, as leader and savior, to give repentance to who? To Israel and forgiveness of sins. Yeah. So... I, I caught I caught that this time. I think it's I think it's awesome that Peter isn't standing down. He says again, we must obey God rather than men. But even in that moment of being accused, Peter gives the message of salvation to those right in front of him. Yeah. You know, you, Israel, yeah. have the opportunity to repent and obey him and follow him and have your sins forgiven. So it's not that Peter is playing like a us versus them. He's actually playing, hey, Jesus died for you too. Right. And I think that's a, a huge piece of this. We must obey God rather than men. Well, we must obey God rather than men in this circumstance. Yeah. The gospel and telling somebody, even if they're your enemy, even if you're in the face of death, God died for you too. That's right. And I want you to know Jesus. Well, he gives that purpose statement in verse 31. He is the one. Jesus is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior To do what? Purpose statement number one, to grant repentance to Israel. Purpose statement number two, and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things, him being raised up, and so is the Holy Spirit. That's interesting. I never caught this little nuance here. The Holy Spirit is a witness of these things. Whom, the Holy Spirit's a person, whom God has given to those who obey him. The witness of the Holy Spirit can also indwell you to where you can be filled with his spirit and in a to an extent, have a witness of Christ yourself. Now, I, nowadays, I don't mean that physically, 
But I do mean like the witness of the Holy Spirit can live inside of you and can give you a, a new birth and a heart for Jesus Christ. So good passage today. Amen. Amen. Let's close it out. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for listening to the Be Disciples podcast. Please share it with your friends, your family, social media. Um, you know, you can find us on any podcast platform. Uh, thank you so much for just listening in, for growing in your faith and keep discipling people. Don't give up. This is a lifetime thing. Meet with people. When somebody stops meeting with you, find another person. Uh, And I also encourage you to find somebody to disciple you, if that's something you haven't been doing. Make sure that you're being fed. You're learning from somebody as well. Thank you so much. Have a blessed week and a Merry Christmas.